Welcome to the Playing the Game podcast with your hosts, Brock White and Cody Ransom. This podcast is the place for all things baseball, hunting, and entrepreneurship. These two guys have put in the work and have the stories and advice to back it up. Brock is a longtime business owner, and Cody played pro ball for over 18 years. Driven deep to left field. There it goes. See ya. A long home run for Cody Ransom. The one thing that brings these two guys together is hunting. Babe Ruth said it best. Never allow the fear of striking out to keep you from playing the game. This is the Playing the Game podcast, presented by Rolly White RV. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. It's been a couple weeks. It has. We, we've been trying to link together. We've had a bunch of guests that just didn't work out. They've been busy. It's that Every, time of year. It's December. We got cookies with Santa. <laughs> Christmas lights need to be put up, which I'm trying to find somebody to put them up. Yeah, you ain't going to do that with your foot, bud. Yeah, so that's not happening. I'm hoping I can get my neighbor's guy to come over. <laughs> that sounds amazing, doesn't it? Doesn't it sound amazing having someone else put Christmas lights up? There's, like, a, there's a company for that. I know. I'm not. I like That is like my biggest pet peeve of Christmas is putting Christmas lights up. I like putting the tree up. All the decorations in the house hate Christmas lights. We started doing it a couple years back and won't ever go back. They're always nice and straight, look good. I get lots of compliments and won't ever do it different now. Yeah. So, everybody, this is uh, Blaine Anderson. Hey. On the phone with us. Sorry. I had to give you a little intro so people knew who this uh, mystery man was. The mystery voice. So this is Blaine Anderson part two. We had on a while back. We did. It was maybe yeah, last year. Did. Was it last year or this year? I don't remember. It's, it's been a while. Yeah. So we've had some fun times with Blaine. Some exciting things happening. The market's been, if you guys remember, Blaine's in the financial industry and uh, personal, you know, retirement kind of stuff and he uh he's keen in on the market so if you have those 401ks or equities hopefully he can give us a sense of relief of this horrible year that's happened <laughs> this horrible year it hasn't been great. yeah so blaine what's the pulse on the market well you guys nailed it as far as being down quite a bit it's there's been a, a lot of pain points throughout the year and it has come official as far as being a bear market and a bear market means that it's down 20% from its high. And so we officially hit a bear market over the summer, right in the June, July timeframe. And we've had some ups and downs since then, but 2022 will go down as a bear market. And the main thing that I will say with that is these things absolutely do happen. We know there's going to be times with the bear market, and most would agree we had some bull markets leading into this. So it does happen. I've gone through and looked at the average bear market, what that means, 
And in general, they usually last about a year. We'll see how long this one lasts and what, the, what that means. Some are longer, some are shorter, but um, we will find out a lot as we approach the end of the year and what happens. Because historically, December and January are two of the top three best months of the year. So we'll see how things play out. But uh, the general pulse is that we're going to get a, we got a jobs report today. We're going to hear from uh, Jerome Powell and the feds as to interest rates later I, this month. Hey, did Those we, are big things. Did we hear, uh, so the jobs report came out and looked pretty good. I thought the same thing. Now, if we're talking just today, and I think that's a little too much to speak of one day. I mean, the markets right now as we speak are down some, and the jobs report does look positive. Um, the thing that stood out to me is like leisure and hospitality led the way with jobs having an increase month over month. And so a lot of times that means people are getting out, they're traveling, they're, they're doing things, and it's usually a positive marker. So from a jobs report standpoint, it did come back positive, and we'll always take that as a good sign. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't, that makes sense. You know, like the, it seems like Americans are about done with this bear market. They're just going to, they're just going to crank. They're they're done with it. Yeah. And I think that's probably a big reason why December is usually a good month for the markets. People are out traveling around the holidays. They're shopping around Christmas and buying gifts. And then you've got companies that are doing year end spending and, and, buttoning up their their calendars and paying bonuses. And so if that continues, those are usually very good, positive signs for the economy uh, as a whole and probably things that contribute to the market being up. Yeah. Um, so what's, I mean, every day I read, I read what's going on in the markets and it's just a lot of mixed, uh, a lot of mixed emotions going on. It seems like, I mean, one day you, you read something that says we're coming out of it. Next day is bracing for a recession. Next day is maybe there's no recession. Maybe we're out of this. What do, what do you feel? Well, one thing that I've watched a lot over the years is. I do like to even separate the two between the market, like talking about the S&P 500, the NASDAQ, the general stock market, and the economy. Yes, there's some parallels, there's some correlation, but it's not that they're exactly the same. And what I mean by that is I see that mixed, those mixed opinions. And like you, you just mentioned, I have some economists that I follow very closely. One in particular that says, 2022 is a bear market, meaning we've gone, the the S&P has had that 20% dip. It's definitely a bear market, but that doesn't necessarily mean a recession. And the reason for that is there still are some positive job reports. Um, There's, and really that's one of the main ones, but we are definitely experiencing inflation. We're seeing a rise in interest rates. So those things trigger the market to sell off and, cause the market to decline but also with when when people are still working and there's jobs and there's income those are positive signs for the economy and so i guess what i'm getting at is my thought is 
the markets usually lead the economy. And so there's probably still some tightening of the belt that I would anticipate going into 2023, meaning with the economy, I don't think it's necessarily going to turn on a dime and, and, um, and the markets are going to start heading upward. I think we're going to have to see what happens with interest rates. And from what I've read and seen, the Fed still talk about raising interest rates through the first quarter of next year, even though the most recent um, comment by Jerome Powell was, hey, we may not raise them as fast as we were talking about. Which would but, be awesome. Which would be great. That'll cause the market, that'll, that'll help. But I guess what I would say is expect a little bit of the status quo as far as the economy. I don't think that we've necessarily turned the corner but you'll likely start to see some improvements with the stock market um, because it is common to have a bear market, to, to have it dip, and then the stock market start to turn around some with just positive signs in the economy. And, um, do I expect another 2020 or 2021 as far as the market and the economy go? No, I don't. But uh, I do think those mixed feelings are out there because the economy is not necessarily saying, hey, we're in a, a recession or a deep recession, but yet the stock market is saying we're in a bear market. I, I hope that, well, that, that makes, makes sense. sense. It makes a lot of sense. I, uh, we just looked it up, Blaine. It was almost two years ago you were on the show. It doesn't, it doesn't seem oh, that long. I feel like it was like eight months ago. Yeah. Yeah, February 5th, 21. That's crazy. That's when that posted. So, oh, that's that's cool. It's been a while, man. Well, that is cool. Welcome back to the show. Time's flying. We need you to like. Well, so th- like things have changed in two th- years. I feel like there's been a lot, at least in Arizona. I don't know about Idaho. See, the last recession hit Arizona like a freight train. Mm-hmm. Like it just crushed us. I knew. I think we all knew people here that lost everything. I mean, lost their jobs, lost their houses. I mean, a lot of people trying to dabble in the real estate market that just got burnt. You know, everyone during that time is weird because everybody in Arizona was turning into a real estate guy. Everyone was like buying houses they couldn't afford because they were going to sell them and make a couple hundred grand. And it just, it just crushed a lot of people here. So I think for the Arizona people in particular, they hear recession and they start to freak out. They're like, Let's save all our money. So I think once those fears subside a little bit on our end here, that people loosen back up. And I also think there's this, uh, we've had unrealistic expectations what interest rates are. And as a country as a whole, I remember my first house, I paid 6.5%, and that was a really good rate back then. And it didn't shy me away from buying a house. Yeah. And a lot of people are, I've talked to a lot of younger people that don't own homes that are like, I'm waiting for the interest rates to go down. And I'm, I'm telling them, you're going to wait a long time, bud. We've been yeah. spoiled by the last few years. Like it's Really been, spoiled. Really, really. I mean, down as low as they got, everybody kind of got accustomed to that. And I they think it's going to take a while for it to recover. But At some point, people just have to swallow the pill, like they have to like realize this is what it is. Do we want a house? Do we not? Do we want a new car? Do we want to buy a car? I mean, I think the American people realize we had a good, at least I'm being optimistic about this where I think, okay, maybe it's not going to be COVID times when things were unrealistic for everybody, but you know, we could still see growth from 
the 2019 year and continue that growth pattern, hopefully. What do you think? Well, I couldn't agree with you guys more in the sense that if you think back pre-COVID, we were actually at a low for interest rates. Things were, the interest rates were already low. And I remember when COVID started and they started lowering them even more, we were like, wow, I didn't even know we could lower them more. So, it, and then we did become a little accustomed to it through COVID. And so there was a good four, five year window where they were very low. And so we did get accustomed to it. It was below average. And so now it's going to take a little bit of time for us to get back to a bit of the new norm. I know for me and for people we see, whether it's in the RV business or whether it's just in the, in the lending and the finance industry that you're right. People say, wait a minute, I'm not getting a three to 4% rate. It's going to be five, six, 7%. And that does make people pause and they may wait a little bit, but as they realize that that's probably where it's going to be for a while, they'll come back to the marketplace and that'll help spur things again, but it does cause everything to slow down some. And that's what we're experiencing. Um, That's like, if you listen to Jerome Powell, his goal is to slow the market down, which essentially is yeah. to put us in a recession. <laughs> it's like well, to slow down the to slow down the inflation for sure. But one thing that a, a point that I've I've watched over the years is that as they as they increase interest rates, which I don't know if a lot of people remember, they were even starting to raise interest rates before COVID. So, and the whole idea with that was that the economy was taking steps forward because. Usually you start to raise interest rates with, because you're getting a forward-moving economy. And so what happens is that the stock market, though, their initial reaction, and, and the last four times they've done this, in all four instances, the six months following that, the markets were down. Like, it does cause people to, sh- things to get shaken up a little bit. So that's very natural. They started that right before COVID. Because yeah. the economy was moving forward. But then with COVID, they pulled it back and started going the other direction again. So... Anyways, I think it's, it's just going to take a, there's a little bit of some navigating through some choppy waters, but if I was a long-term investor and somebody that can think beyond, you know, a, a two and three year period, I would say hold steady. Yeah, you know, it's a time to tighten up, look for some efficiencies, but I, I've always been impressed with the, uh, with our economy, the resilience of of the markets with us as, as people. And, you know, a lot of it, I'm, I'm grateful for where we live and the opportunities that there are here. You know, I, you brought a really good quote to me when all this stuff was happening. And then it was time in the market trumps timing the market. Yeah. So like, I, I've been under this discipline of economies, good you invest economy's bad you invest stocks are down you put more in stocks are up you continue to put more in and i feel like it's worked out pretty good i mean there's definitely some down years but every time there's been a down year for me at least the following year is really like usually a a solid year yeah i'm hoping that trend continues for me at least. Well, and I am stealing some quotes from some pretty renowned investors 
But another one that I like a lot is that the key is to do opposite the market. And so when people are buying, you're selling. And when people are selling, you're buying. And when the market has sell-offs, which is when the market's down, that is the opportunity to buy. And I know it goes against human nature, uh, but that is a big part of what successful investors do. And so I'm not saying there's not reason to be aware. And, and of course, I always am a proponent of uh, due diligence and, and prudent investing and, and doing it within your means. But I would just say you hold steady in these types, in these times. And if they're, if you've been putting in money each month or if you've been um, thinking ahead, keep doing that because that will serve to your benefit. And, you know, we've got some short-term strategies that we've been implementing as a firm that I, I love, that I think have been very helpful during a bear market. And actually, as a firm, we've held luncheons the last month where we've invited clients in, we've, we've hosted webinars and talked specifically about bear market strategies and what can be done during a bear market. And I can tell you, the last thing that we're saying is go to cash and run for the hills and and uh, make short-term decisions or knee-jerk reactions. That's not a good idea. But uh, there are things that can be done during bear markets, and I would say do the best you can to do opposite the market. As hard as that may sound, that's what many of the most renowned investors advise to do. Um, I always want to run to the hills. Yeah, literally. Well, there's so many people. <laughs> that are like, you know, I know so many people that were investing. And I think there's also, like, investors, if you're new to the investing, like, um, maybe you can explain this a little bit better, but your money's seasoned. Your stocks are seasoned. Like, it seems like that first year you're putting in, it's usually a loss. And so it, I've noticed that people that are starting, they get that loss and then they're just out. They're like, why am I losing this money? Um, I guess for me, I had a, I, I've researched the market a lot. So when I got into it, I was expecting that. Yeah. Um, So maybe you could explain what seasoned money is in the market. Well, I would just say the main thing with the market, and this was a, a, a data point that I really like. Um, over the you know, history of time with the S&P 500, if you look at one, three, five, and 10-year time periods, with a one-year just being in the market, you've got about a 73 to 75% chance of, of a gain. So with just a one year, but if you look at a three year, excuse me, if you look at a five year, it goes up to 87% chance. And then if you look at a 10 year, it goes up to 97% chance. Now I'm just talking about with a probability of a gain. And um, what that means is you just need a period of time. And so as you get longer in the market, your money will be more seasoned and you're going to have the numbers say a much higher probability of turning a profit. If it's just one year, it's just too short term. And so there can be a higher probability of potentially there being a loss. Now that could result in a, you may have a cost to go into it. 
mindset is part of that. But B, it's just looking at it too short term. You've got to look at it in three, five, and 10-year windows. And the numbers and the probabilities say that um, whether it's 87, even up to 97% probability of turning a profit with time in the market. Yeah. So I would say it has to do with either expenses that you have up front, but also just being too short term with the market as a whole. Yeah. No, but it took a second for my money to really turn the corner and start gaining a profit. But then there was, for me at least, there was like three or four years of good gains every year. Then there was a dip. And then a solid returns the next three, four years. And now here we are pretty solid dip, but it's okay. And I, I was yeah. listening to uh Bill O'Reilly. He's heavily invested in the market and he's trying to tell his customers, like you only lose if you sell. That's when you lose the money is when you get out, you get out, you, that you take the loss. If you hold tight, you didn't lose anything. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. It's a good point. Um, what a man! It's just been a weird year. I feel like it seems like there's been rebounds followed by like just drops. Um, it seems like it's on a good trajectory right now. Do you do you feel like? that's where we're headed or you think we're in store for some more drops? Well, I'm hoping I I referenced earlier December and January being better months for the market, which uh, they are two of the top three and the other, actually the top three are November, December and January. So it does look like we're going to see that for November um, we had a good jump earlier this week um, here in December. So, yeah, it, it does seem like these next few months um, offer some opportunity for an uptick in the market. And if they continue to raise interest rates like they're talking about in the first quarter, then those seem to trigger sell-offs. And so I wouldn't be surprised if that takes place. But um, I do feel that we will see a better year from a stock market standpoint in 23 than we've seen here in 22. Uh, even if the economy as a whole slows down more in 23, I think that's an example of the stock market and the economy. Yes. Having some similarities and some, um, some parallels and maybe even, um, correlations, but not, not going exactly on the same trend line. And so, yeah, my thought is that 23 will be better from a stock market standpoint than what we've seen this year. Good. Great. Yeah. We need <laughs> Phenomenal. that. Yes. Um, yeah. Well, I feel like you gave us some hope here, which well, I'm all in on giving people hope, especially during Christmas time. <laughs> Yes, well, I'm if anything, I would say, yeah. just remember, these things happen with the market. You know, it's not like this is too abnormal. And, and really, with investments in the market, hopefully you are looking at it from a longer-term standpoint. So that would be my main thing. Um, well, let's get to some fun stuff here. 
We got yeah. the business taken care that of. That was fun, though. That was fun. Was you, f- you enjoyed it? That was a fun uh, recap. Well, no, we're looking at we're looking at an uptick, so that's fun. Yeah, it's better than it's better than the opposite. Yeah, it's fun. I, I did, well, one more question before we move on. What what do you think the fuel prices play in inflation? And do you think with a new Congress? we can open drilling back up. Well, I love the idea of it. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, I was uh, TV this morning while we were getting ready for take the kids to school. Uh, or my son, daughter's taking herself to college, but um, Texas is like two twenty nine a gallon. Where, why are we like close to five? Uh, it's well, it was four forty for regular unleaded yesterday on the sign. Diesel's still at four ninety nine, four eighty nine here. Um, but it, it Texas said it was like two, two twenty nine, two forty nine, something like that. We're, we're getting screwed here. Uh, they got to drive the fuel to us, so it costs some money. Three dollars, two dollars a gallon more <laughs> to get it here. I don't know. Do, do we get our fuel from Texas or Arizona? I mean, California. Uh, who knows. I, I really don't know, but either way, we're getting. Hosed. It's almost worth driving to Texas to get gas. Let's go fill up a thousand <laughs> gallon tanker and bring it on over. Oh man! So, what are you seeing up there, Blaine? What's your price of fuel? Well, I mean, when I look it up, just right now as we speak, crude oil is about eighty dollars a gallon, and maybe just to give a little perspective, in June of twenty twenty, so right there during the heart of COVID, it was down to about $40. So it's still twice what it was then, but probably a, what I would say is that a good takeaway is like you guys are saying in June of this year, it was up as high as 115 or excuse me, $105. So 105 down to 80. We've definitely seen that drop some. And um, a lot of times I've seen the economy move much better when fuel prices or oil in particular is in this 50 to $70 range. And so right now it's at 80. Um, and that just helps the economy tick so much better. And so going from 115 down to 80 is a positive sign. And even if it's at this 80, it's still higher than where I think we'd like it to be, but it's much more manageable. And so I think that helps with the economy quite a bit. And Hopefully we see it get even down to 70, but uh, I love the idea of it. I know it helps even our industry from the RV standpoint, just people being able to get out and use their trailers and feel better about hauling them around. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got, you're going to spend, if you go out to the dunes, let's say from here, you're going to, you're going to burn about 120 gallons driving there and back. So then, you then you have your trailer and your toys. So just to get to the dunes, if it's at five dollars a gallon, you're gonna pay almost six hundred bucks in fuel just for one trip. So I think peop that weighs on people. That's a that's a trailer payment, you know. Yeah. And not including that they're driving that truck daily. They're getting hammered. So hopefully some Cooler minds understand the situation this is putting the American people in because 
it's a tax on the American people to pay that kind of fuel prices. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, well, so if they open up supply, I'm sure that'll help. And that'd be great. We need to flood the market over to, like, here. So I, I don't want to get too involved in politics, but we can all agree that we don't like dictators, right? Agreed. I think every side, left or right, the only problem, there's a lot of dictators that run oil, right? And so I feel like to hurt them as much as we can would be to flood the market with oil. It's going to drive their price down so they're not making that much money. And then essentially it will hurt their economy. Instead of giving sanctions out where – they're still selling their oil on the black market, still fetching a good price for it. And since we sanction them, lesser de- it, the prices go up significantly, so they're making more money. I just think flood the market, flood it with oil. Drive it. Remember? Do you guys remember when oil went below zero? I do. Uh, it, I, I wanted to find out how to buy some barrels for free <laughs> and get money back. Yeah. Well, and I remember too there for a bit where it was even just twenty to forty dollars a barrel. It was like hanging and out there for a while. It did. It hung out there for for quite a bit. So it, that is one industry. I mean, I and I know there's a lot of them, but there's just it does seem like there's a lot of politics behind it and things that are just hard for us as regular everyday people to understand or know all that drives that but it does seem pretty obvious having more supply it's helpful to us as just everyday people so you guys ready for a fun fact Uh, yes i read this as about a month ago but it was uh mind-blowing um so opec's market share on oil right it's all we can all agree that's a big market share um China's market share on renewable energy, lithium batteries, solar panels, it's a bigot market, bigger market share than OPEX oil. Hmm. Jeez. I, no one would ever thought that. So China is making more money on renewables than they would drilling oil. Pretty wild. Because they own the lithium batteries, period. They own that. Mm-hmm. They own it. Can't get them unless you get them from China. Then all the other stuff that goes along with it, windmills, solar power, just everything, they're crushing the world with the market share and renewables. And they, they figured it out, and now they're hitting home runs with it. And the funny part about this all, they don't care about renewables as a country. They they're building coal power plants by the dozens. Hmm. So yeah, kind of kind of feels like we're getting scammed here a little bit here. <laughs> feel like we're getting taken. I feel someone's scamming us. Oh, these well, these well. solar guys walking around selling like I'm like man, why are they so expensive? They're all from China, but. Anyways, that's my fun fact for the day. Ready for an escape? Ready for an adventure? Do you want to camp, hunt, 
hit the dunes, or just relax on the beach? Rolly White RV is the number one toy hauler dealer in Arizona for the past five years running. With a no-pressure culture and no dealer fees, they guarantee you a great price and a great experience as you purchase your very own toy hauler or travel trailer. Rolly White is family-owned and operated and has now expanded to five locations, including Mesa, West Phoenix, North Phoenix, Flagstaff, and Idaho Falls, Idaho. Whether you're looking for a toy hauler or travel trailer, fifth wheel or bumper pole, Rolly White can get you what you're looking for. They carry all the big names, including Genesis Supreme, Vortex, Attitude, Wolfpack, Raptor, Forest River, and the newly released Wanderer by Genesis. We all want to beat the heat or just escape the craziness and get outdoors. Let Rolly White help you get there by visiting any of our locations or checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and online at rollywhite.com. Tired of going different places to get all you want? Looking for a program that offers everything? Are you interested in training, nutrition, baseball, softball, after-school youth programs, hunting, or charity work? One Performance is an all-inclusive program that offers training, advising, instruction, and opportunity for everyone, from the beginner to the professional. With a staff compiled of some of the best in their fields, impressive backgrounds, and an unmatched passion for teaching and giving back, One Performance is the first of its kind in Arizona. With the connections and background we have in the baseball community on a local and national level, from t-ball to the major leagues, One Performance offers teams known as Arizona National BPA, opportunity for instruction, gameplay, and development in every aspect of the game, both physically and mentally. The staff at One Performance Training are some of the finest in their respective fields. They strive to educate, motivate, and assist every athlete in maximizing their abilities. Whether you're looking for an opportunity for a young athlete or a seasoned professional to surround themselves with like-minded coaches, mentors, and athletes, One Performance is the family you're looking for. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. So let's get to fun stuff. Um, Let's do it. So we, me, Cody, Blaine. I I don't don't know if I said that right. Is it Cody, Blaine, and I? Myself. Myself. Either way. We all know what you meant. doesn't matter. We're not here for English class. Well, I'm probably going to yell that by the wife or something. So So you Um, just say Blaine, Cody, and myself. um, Blaine, Cody, and myself. Hey. We all went on a, a a hunt together, which was fun. It was the first time we'd done that. We did. I, I feel like it's your first major hunt, Blaine. Would you agree? Yeah. Like your definitely. first major real deal big game hunting trip. We were spoiled yeah. by where we got to go. Yeah. That we were. And Totally. So let how was your preparation for that hunt? What did you do to prepare? Did you feel overwhelmed at all getting ready for it? Yeah. yeah, I did a little bit. I mean, I viewed it as the biggest hunt for me that I would that I would do or, or had done. And so I did. And, and you may remember, I mean, I've been planning on it for over a year. Yeah. So build up the season. Our hunts got canceled last year, so yeah. everybody got pushed to this year. Yeah. So I mean that was that was cool. I mean there was a lot of buildup, um, a lot of excitement. I uh, 
probably did the things that I'm sure a lot of uh, guys would do and that just worrying about making the gear and trying to think through that I was have everything. I um, shot a couple times, just, just getting ready for, for the hunt, tried to think through it as much as I could. And um, really, you know, leaning on you guys too was a big help just knowing getting an idea of what to expect. But even, even that alone, I still, there's no way you can expect uh, everything and really how cool it, it is when you actually are out there and doing it. I mean, it was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. It was so awesome. What, what was, uh, what was the, tell us something that surprised you that you weren't thinking would like, what surprised you on that? Well, for, he was hunting elk. Yeah. So everyone, he's hunting elk. Cody's hunting deer. Mm-hmm. I hunted elk. Tarrant, my wife hunted deer. Mike, Mike eager hunted. came and hunted deer. Yeah. Yeah, that's mule deer for everybody. Mule deer, yeah. yeah. No white tails on the ranch, just mule deer mm-hmm. and elk. So, um, yeah. go ahead. A couple of things that surprised me. One that was super cool was just how awesome it was to see these huge, majestic animals in their element. Um, for me, I ended up getting to follow and track and watch a, a group of 10 bull elk um, for about half the day and just watching them interact, watching the younger bulls um, fight and, and ram each other and, and just kind of tracking them was, was something that I really enjoyed. Just, just watching them was, was really cool. Um, and then probably um, similar to many, just the size and the majesty of these animals. Um, I think I mentioned to you before on the, the bull that, that I actually took down and, and as I came up on the bull and, and went through that experience, I mean, there was, there was a reverence about it. There was just something very special, something unique and, um, a feeling that you don't feel all that often, but, but really cool. So, uh, I have a deep respect for the animals and just for that whole process and, um, it was well worth it. Very cool. Um, did you get buck fever? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you were get when that when you put the bull in the chamber. You did you just start feeling a bunch of weird feelings inside? Yeah, and let me let me mention something about that because I got a I did go out to have a, a guide with me, and uh, you guys know Tom. Um, and I got to assume he's one of the best. Uh, one thing that Tom did to help me with that was that we actually went through a dry run, like where we stopped, we got out, we set up, we actually had me, I aimed, I set up the tripod, I took three dry shots just to go through that process. And that helped a ton. And then when we, but when it came down to it, we actually, did it the first shot that i took which hit um was really good and and i had gone through the process and i feel like was smooth um and i hit the elk in its shoulder and it was it 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 was definitely impacted it took a few steps you could see it limping and i set up for the second shot uh, to put it down and that's where like my leg was even just shaking as i was getting ready for that second shot and so 
thankfully Tom was a great guy and he, he reminded me just take a nice deep breath again and and so I did and I was able to put him down with the second shot but um, man there's all kinds of emotion running through you and um, it was just the, the adrenaline of setting up for that shot was like nothing I've ever experienced before so would you say you're all in on hunting or I mean some people have mixed reviews they're like I don't know if I want to go again yeah, and I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> just, just after going through it, I mean, the adrenaline of of it all and the experience, like being out there in nature and seeing the animals in their element, um, was special. And so, um, I'd love to do it again. Cool, um, Cody. Mm. Cody got to hunt with like. One of my all-time favorite people, Amo. Amo. Amos. Dan Ames. Oh. Commonly known I don't as Amo. I don't even know his first. I just knew him as Amo. I never even knew his first name. That's him. This guy's a legend, man. He really is. If you look at, uh, I mean, so he's been up in that area forever. He lives there, guides there. He's guided in Idaho. Like Some of the stories this guy told were, incredible man hunting lions in the winters and um just everything it was it was uh it's kind of cool to to experience with him uh, somebody that's been around that long that's done it you know since he was a kid so uh those mountains are like his house you know yeah. like he he uh he would tell me oh we we did this here we did that over there we hunted you know lions here i had so and so here and some of the names and people that he's guided and and been with are, are pretty cool man but he's a uh, He's a good guy. Took us a minute to took him a minute to trust me. I think he'll oh, fill me out. But he he before he opens up, he always like yeah figures out if he can trust you or not. Yeah, so the first first few hours in the truck were kind of quiet, and then uh, it it was good, man. We had we had a good time. Really yeah, good time. He gave me a scarf. I was really excited about it. He did. Good so, luck, scarf. Yeah. So he wears this ACDC shirt. If if things ever get like where we we need to kill one today or we need to, to find one today. And so he put it on day three cause I was leaving day four. So he, uh, he put it on and success. Well, I remember you coming back. You're always kind of a little frustrated because you're like, I would have shot that deer. I, I wasn't frustrated. I was, what I was, was like, um, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, dude, these are like, I was, I was kind of like in awe of, the quality of, of animals that were in there, right? Yeah. And because it was like, if I saw any of the animals that I saw the first two days, two and a half days no, like here. Pu- public land here in Arizona. In Arizona, monsters. Like, yeah. you know, really big. Like, I would be more than happy. And they were all like, you know, 300-yard shots are in. And like, I mean, everything you're looking for, you know what I mean? And so, and you get to sit and watch the animals. They just oh, yeah. blow out. Yeah, it was like. You know, every one of them would have been a, a nice shot, like that you would want to take. And he's like, "No, nah, we're not shooting that one. It's you don't want that one." And I'm like, "Really, dude?" <laughs> so I'd come back, and they're like, "You see anything?" I was like, "Yeah, we did," but he said no, so we waited. And uh, I'm glad we did. The one we ended up getting was the biggest one that I saw of the the time we were there. And um, he was nice, old. He was eight years old, I think they said. So that's cool. He's an older buck, and uh, actually, you went to go 
try to kill another buck, right? Yeah, we were going to find uh, Old Mexico. Old what was Mexico. the name of the one we were going to look for? And um, pictures of that one were were pretty impressive, but we didn't see him and turned the corner on the road and this herd was there. So that's cool. Uh, we, I watched him walk around the side of the mountain for about I don't know ten fifteen minutes. Um, he finally gave me a shot and chip shot. Yeah, <laughs> it was an archery shot with a rifle. So it was. Uh, <laughs> if I would have missed that one, I would quit. See, the only problem with Blaine going on this as his first real big deal hunt mm-hmm. is that he's ruined for life now. Like he's gonna go if he went hunting in Arizona, he'd be like, "This sucks." Like where are all the animals? <laughs> yeah, the, the amount of animals that we saw there was—I mean, from moose to deer to elk to. I saw you know? a lot of, yeah. like, I wasn't, when Taryn was hunting deer, but that's the most deer I've ever seen on that ranch. Yeah? this uh, And you've been going for a while. Yeah, so, a little history of this place, they they had amazing deer numbers, I think close to 10,000 deer on the ranch, and um, they're hovering at like 4,000 elk, and... They had a bad winter kill last five five years ago. Five years of the winter was awful. Yeah, these deer, they migrate down into two different parts, Morgan and then Lake Town, which is off near Woodruff. And those deer that migrated to Woodruff, I think 85% of them died. So they went from 10,000 deer to like 1,000 the following year. And they lost pretty much all the antelope. The ant. So what happened with the antelope? They went over to- <laughs> yeah, they ran over to um, Wyoming. Wyoming. Yeah. Snow melted. Mm-hmm. Uh, fun fact: uh, antelope can't jump fences <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> and they had like sheep fencing up on the other side, so they couldn't crawl underneath because mm-hmm. antelope crawl underneath. Right. Yeah, and so they couldn't go underneath. They're stuck over there. So had to wait till the following couple of years for the snow to build back up above the fence and they could cross back over good but, times so this ranch is like um it's not like a fenced ranch it's not high fenced or anything uh, like that it's open um and it's two, 260 some thousand acres yeah. like it's so it's not like a this isn't a high fence ranch or anything like that but where they just where do, there's just people yeah. or, or where they're they're stuck in there you know what i mean so they're they're just manage it they've been managing it for I think the management plan has been going on for like 15 years and yeah, they're right now they're really trying to work on the, uh, the elk. So what happens with that ranch is the elk, they have such harsh winters that the elk, the, when the snow melts off the first like couple months, they're just putting fat back on. Right. Mm-hmm. Where like, if you compare to Arizona, there's no, there's not really a harsh winter at all, right? For and the most part, yeah. So when horn growth comes around, all of that protein is going straight to the horns. Where in Utah, it's getting split from getting the animal healthy again and horn growth. So the horns aren't as big as other states. So they're working on getting better horn growth on the elk. But it's it's kind of it's cool to see the bi- they actually have a biologist on staff 
and they just go over all those numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's fun. The the I mean, Blaine, the the lodge. I'm gonna be honest. Your next hunt might not have a lodge like that, bud. Yeah, it might. Not unless, I, I know not it'll be tough a, a year. Yeah, and then we. I know it'll be tough to beat. Oh, it's gonna be tough, man. It's gonna be tough. Hey, we're 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 planning the Mexico trip. Are you in, Blaine? We could be doing a podcast from Mexico with you on it. Yeah. Is that the one in January? Yep. I'm making every effort to do so, and it's looking good on my end. I'm planning on it. Okay, good. I like to hear that because it will be me, you, and Cody hunting together. Awesome. I'll, well, you know better. I'll be in probably, hopefully I'm out of a boot by then. If you're not out by then, we got problems. Well, luckily there, you can glass from anywhere. Okay. I might have a hard time killing something, but you guys shouldn't. But. You won't. Um, I'll help you out if you need it. Yeah, you could totally <laughs> help me out. We're in Mexico, man. Like, what happens there stays there, bud. I'm like, legitimately, you want to keep it down there. <laughs> um, I'm not to it, for sure. Yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a good follow-up hunt from what you had. Accommodations aren't as nice, but the awesome part about down there and what's fun about Mexico in general, once you get on the ranch, you're by yourself. So you don't have any... You're not really in Mexico. No. Kind of. You're, you're on a... Like, when people talk about, I want to go to Mexico, I want to go to Mexico, but not the same way other people want to go down. Like, I want to go down on these ranches that don't have any power, like, no cell phone service. And it's it's amazing how fun it is. You don't have TVs. You don't have nothing. I mean, barely have any electricity. And it's uh, these little, it feels like to me like what the Old West must have felt like. I mean, you're like interested. You're about an hour and a half on a dirt road deep, you know, to get to these ranches. I mean, you're two and a half hours from a major town. Major, yeah, major. uh, There's a tiny little town about two hours away, hour and a half. But yeah. It's gonna be a fun experience, man. I haven't been yeah. I haven't been for three years, so like this is my coming back party. I'm really excited. It's been three years for you. Three years. So I manage this ranch. What the guy the guy that owns it, his son works for us. And I've known that guy since he was twelve years old. Now he's like twenty eight. Mm. Um and his dad's an excellent guy just super down to earth, just humble, hardworking rancher. And they have this beautiful ranch that has a lot of coos deer on it. So, um, a lot of people don't get coos deer, but until you've hunted it, you can't, you got to hunt them in the rut and you'll think different. They call it the gray, gray ghost, Blaine, the gray ghost. There's a reason for that, Blaine. Sounds, they disappear. Yeah. So you had a question, Blaine? <laughs> so 
So are they going to be in the rut? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. When we are down there, okay. We try to hit it like the prime time of the rut. So usually the second yeah. week, you're the second week of January, you can like you might hit it, you might hit the rut, but usually it's pre-rut. Third week, you're usually you're going to catch the rut either the beginning of it or you're right in the middle of it. So fourth week, it can get bad because the rut could be over and then you don't see anything again. But um, third week, we should be seeing some rut action. And I got my cousin that he comes and he's all about moon phases and ruts, like which side of the moon phase to hit the rut right. Luckily, I have the, you know, the, who, what do you call people that uh, look at stars and moon and astro? I don't know. (laughs) Just (laughs) luckily I have that. But there's like these, there's these apps now that you can download that based on the moon phase will give you like prime hunting times. Or at least there's a theory behind that. I've seen these apps. I've tried to use them. I'm, you know, they have not been successful yet. For, for I think me. it's just one piece of mini that goes. Maybe into I don't it. know what to look at in the app. I don't know. Like sometimes it seems like it works, and sometimes it doesn't seem like it works. So, but we will, we will find out. Blaine, so yeah. you're you're excited, huh? Oh yeah, I'm totally excited. I've I've enjoyed these adventures and. For me, it's been—it's not something I grew up doing, and it's been—I'm uh, stepping outside of my comfort zone and experiencing new things. And man, it's added a lot to my life. I, I love getting outdoors and experiencing nature, seeing these animals in their own element, and then experiencing the hunt. And even with our the elk that I got, I've got them at the butcher. I'm bringing back meat, and we'll plan on eating and enjoying that for the next year and i i think it's just really cool the whole process well awesome man yeah let us know when that elk comes in and how it tastes so we're gonna have to have you back on after close right i'm hoping because i ordered a bunch of jerky to hand out for christmas so yeah i did too um yeah i did too we're gonna have to call thompson's we're gonna have to say what's going on we got christmas gifts to pick it up though right the trucks on the plus side you got a guy, I got a guy. Yeah, that can my guy's coming this weekend. So we should hoping, call him. I was like, hoping it was done. We might need to call him after we're off. Right after this, we should call. Yeah. Well, appreciate you coming on, Blaine. Hey, anytime, guys. I, I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you. We definitely Great need to podcast. do this. We definitely need to do this sooner than every two years. <laughs> Oops, two years is a Our bad. bad. Flew by. Two years flew by. We're having fun. Yeah. I guess. Well, we're going to have some more hunting adventures, too, that we're going to have to share in the, in the coming months. So. We're going to have to bring the podcasting equipment down. We're going to have to do it. <laughs> we brought it to Utah and didn't touch it. <laughs> I know. We, I feel like when we brought it to Utah, we were just having so much fun. There will be some more downtime in Mexico just because the sun goes down like 530. And then, you know, the hunt's over, really. You know, you can't really, you shouldn't really hunt at night. So, but I think we'll have some time to hang out and chat. And if we all kill early, we'll definitely have time. There you go. But 
All right, Looking bud. Forward to it. Have a good one, Thanks, man. Guys. See you, Blaine. All right. Take care, bud. We'll see you. Thanks, yeah. Later. Right. Later. Well, everyone, that was Blaine Anderson with Bander Financial. If you uh, need some help with your finances, retirement plan, 401k advice, look them up, Bander Financial in Idaho Falls. Um, He won't steer you wrong. Tell him you listen to the podcast. You heard him. He's great to work with. His team's great to work with. He has a great support there with his team and they do really well. Yes, sir. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs>